0: So I'm one of those people when I know I have to travel the next day, I'm up early and kind of woke up at like 5.30 this morning. Uh, It's Wednesday, March the 11th. Uh, It's just before 10 a.m. Central Time in Iowa City. This is Rob Howe, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com. And uh, I will be leaving for Indianapolis this afternoon to cover the Iowa men's basketball team at the Big Ten Tournament at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. And I can never sleep when I know I have to travel the next day. So it was up at 5.30 this morning, so I'll be tired when I get there. It's about a six-hour drive and uh, staying in Avon, Indiana, which is about, oh, 10, 15 miles east of Indianapolis, pretty much a straight shot into banker's life. So uh, we'll be heading in there today and packing for the full week. I've learned my lessons back in uh, the early 2000s uh, <laughs> when did not pack enough items, and Iowa made a run to the championship game and uh, had to, I think once I just re, re-wore clothes dirty, had funk on me, and then uh, another time I think I may have bought clothes. But uh, anyway, I digress. This is the HN Mailbag Podcast, and uh, don't have as many questions this week, but have some good questions so we may not have as long a podcast, and I will try not to to ramble on too much here because uh, I still have to pack and uh, did a load of laundry last night and need to get that folded in, in my suitcase and, and what have you, and I still have to go pick up the rental car. So I wanted to get this in before I hit the road, and uh, we will be back next week. I hope uh, we'll just see what's going on with the NCAA tournament and this virus thing and we're allowed to cover it and what have you, but, uh, we'll see. We're kind of, uh, in a holding pattern in regards to that. We'll see if, uh, they let us in to cover the NCAA tournament next week. So without further ado, let me do the, uh, as you guys know, we do the Twitter questions and then the, uh, HN message boards, the Hawkeye nation message boards. I have a few questions on there as well today. And, uh, Chad Leistico, colleague from the Des Moines Register, was first in with a question, first one in with a question this week. And uh, I appreciate Chad's feedback on this podcast and for he for him listening to it. I listened to his uh, uh, his podcast uh, on KXNO in Des Moines, uh, the Hawkeye, Hawk Central podcast that I believe they record on Wednesday. So not sure when they'll have that in today. Hopefully be able to get that in so I could listen to it on my drive to Indianapolis and shorten the trip up a little bit, but I think they're probably later in the day. Uh, maybe I'll listen to it on the way back, but enjoy his podcast as well. A lot of good podcasts out there for Hawkeye sports fans that I recommend. Uh, and you guys probably know most of them, but um, Chad asks, what has been your worst media seating assignment experience for any significant sporting event you've covered. I've given this a little bit of thought, Chad, and I know I'm probably missing something. So when I see you in Indianapolis, I may have a uh, better answer for you. A couple things come to mind here uh, with this question, because it could I, I may have a good seat in terms of um, point of view at the arena or stadium, but it may not be uh, the best location for other reasons. And One of the ones that popped into my mind first, and I know you've probably experienced this, is sitting on press row at the Breslin Center at Michigan State with the Izone student section right behind your head. And it goes on for two hours of pretty much nonstop yelling at the back of your head while you're trying to write. And there are a few things that are more challenging than that. And this is somebody who has a home office with three kids and their friends running around my house all the time trying to write. So I'm pretty good at blocking out the noise, so to speak. Um, but that is almost impossible to do when you're at the Breslin Center. Indiana used to have really great basketball seats. And basketball is in my head right now because that's the season. Um, but uh their their seats now suck. They're also behind the student sections where they're holding up signs. I know Scott Dockerman from the Athletic tweeted at your question about this with you know the obstructed view at Assembly Hall in Indiana. We used to be courtside there, and that's kind of the case that we used to be like we used to be courtside at Northwestern and now we're up, you know, in a um in a section above the courtside section. So and they give you a lamp there. um, So it's not all glamorous is what we're saying, folks. But I think I came up, at least from a basketball standpoint, and I'll think about football at a different time. I just can't think of anything right now. But from a basketball standpoint, again, we used to sit courtside with the raised floor at Williams Arena at the barn in Minneapolis. Now they have you up in this catwalk, up in the rafters where you have to climb up with your computer. And I know you've experienced this too, Chad. I don't like it at all. I don't like heights as it is. So climbing up there for Williams arena is something I don't enjoy. I'm trying to think football wise. I don't think there's been anything. Football's pretty standard. Most of the, most of the stadiums in the big 10 are pretty, you know, they've gotten, you know, they've renovated press boxes and everything's really plush now and, I really, and we're going to come off here as entitled media because we get into the arenas free, and I'm complaining about where I sit. But I would actually probably pay at Williams Arena if I didn't have to climb up into the rafters to sit and watch games up there. Um, not only from a, like I said, a viewing standpoint, but actually having to climb up, climb up, and being someone who's afraid of heights. The old Purdue football press box sucked. Um, I still get jittery and at Camp Randall for jump around when that press box starts shaking Uh, the heat in early September at Jack Trace stadium and their press box without air conditioning can be unnerving, but usually the press box seats are, are pretty good. And now somebody who takes for, you know, photos often for the first half of games or the whole games on the road, there are some stadiums. Camp Randall sucks for that. They close off like, The whole north, I guess, would be northeast corner or northwest corner of their stadium where you can't shoot photos. George Kittle's touchdown in the 2015 games. We couldn't get shots of that because it was in an area where it's closed off. But I'm going to jump off this topic now. And uh, the people that are listening and calling me elite, you know, elitist media, um, feel free because maybe I feel like that a little bit today. Um, Adam Halter. Uh, at IA Punk on Twitter, do you think P Mac and Nungie returning? Uh, that would be Patrick McCaffrey and Jack Nungie returning, and only losing fingers crossed. Parenthetical reference: Creener until that all three incoming front court recruits could redshirt. Um. Yes, and I'm not sure that. I guess they are. I guess the Murray twins are front court guys, but they also are wing guys too. They're pretty versatile. Um, and we've seen this year with Franz' offense, he can, you know, he goes, he can go small and still, and and the, and the Murray's aren't small. They're, I think, 6'8", 6'9", is somewhere in there. I could be off on measurements there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see with, uh, you know, and, and also they'll lose uh, Bakari Evelyn too, that you didn't mention. Um, so those are the three guys. Will there be transfers? Will Luca Garza go pro? I think, but under your scenario, with everybody coming back, maybe Josh Ogendali, uh does redshirt. But Fran really likes to keep the door open for that when they get here. Um, so you're looking at Garza, Nunji, Patrick McCaffrey. Um, trying to think who else in the front court? Cordell Pemsel. Um yeah, there'll be there won't be a lot of minutes there for guys, but maybe um it'll I don't I and I haven't had a really good look at Josh Ogandala yet. There's not a lot of video of him out there and I've not seen him play in person to know whether or not he'll redshirt. It could be a neat scenario if the Murray twins do redshirt, they will be two years out of high school by the time they're red shirt freshman at Iowa, putting them two years ahead of, you know, your standard freshman. Um, So maybe not a bad idea for them. And then Perkins and Uless we'll have to see how things shake out in the backcourt. I could see all the, all this class redshirting, but then you start to get a log jam. I, I would think with a, with a class this big with five guys in it. You're going to want to stagger these guys a little bit. So I would assume that at least a couple of these guys will redshirt. But who that is, I think we're going to have to wait to see how this roster shakes out and then how these guys do when they get to campus and what they show the coaches. Um, but I would say that with your scenario, there's a likely chance that the front court guys could redshirt because of the depth there and of uh, lack of minutes. Um, Kyle, Kyle Bolin, at Kyle Bolin on Twitter. How has recruiting in football adapted to the uptick in early entrance to the NFL? Seems like they've gotten more freshmen that are ready to play first year on campus. Kyle, I think this is kind of twofold. There's a twofold answer to this. I think high school kids are better prepared than they've ever been in terms of getting to college with the strength programs, these training programs away from high school that they're in. Uh, the lifting that they do. There's just so much more technology now um, and ability for these guys to develop uh, physically before they get to college. And I think it makes them more prepared, but I certainly know that the Iowa coaches are conscious of their roster guys. They could lose to the NFL each year. And I think they look at classes, you know, class by class of guys that could leave early and try to fill in the pieces around that. Now you you just don't know what guys are going to be until they get to campus and what their, you know, availability. And, and, you know, you look at a guy like Jack Campbell who came out of Cedar Falls last year. I don't think people would have thought that he would lose his red shirt last year. Um, But he got to campus and he showed the coaches enough, especially on special teams, to be somebody who could contribute to the roster. So I think in their mind they're thinking to themselves, yeah, these are guys that – these are positions that we're going to probably be thin at because of attrition to the NFL. Um, and then you just kind of fill in around there. But it's definitely something that I think the coaches are more conscious of now, getting guys that are ready to come in and help right away. But, again, best laid plans, they sometimes do not work out. Thank you for the question, Kyle. Joe Williams, Iowa fan, at Iowa fan Williams on Twitter, asks – what would be a disappointing and what would be a successful Big Ten tournament for the Hawkeye men? This, these questions are always interesting to me because I think we all probably have different expectations and different perceptions of what would be successful and what would be disappointing. Uh, there's going to be a certain faction of people that anything short of making it to the championship game or winning the championship game uh, will be a disappointment, and then there are people that if Iowa wins a game or two, will be Okay. It looks good. You know, Iowa played well, got a, got to win and heads into the NCAA tournament with a little bit of momentum. They look good. I feel good about Wieskamp and Frederick. They played well down there. Things like that. But so it's hard to put a finger exactly, but for me, which maybe that's what you're asking for me, what would be a disappointment, um, is, is one and done. I just, I don't think you can go one and done in this thing after losing three of your last four, uh, getting, embarrassed so to speak and I think it's fair to say embarrassed against Purdue at home on senior night down 21 in the first half um so you need to find a little bit of momentum going into the NCAA tournament I think um what would be successful in my mind getting to Saturday Iowa has not been to Saturday and when we say Saturday that's the semifinals of this tournament since 2006 the Greg Bruner Adam Holuska Jeff Horner led team uh, that won, that finished second during the regular season in the Big Ten and then won the conference tournament. Iowa has not been to Saturday, the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, since 2006 when those guys led them to the championship. That is a long time. Your 14 years is a long time. Um, my son was one. He'll be 15 this month. That, uh, that kind of puts it in perspective for me, and I think – it would just be another feather in, in France cap in this program's cap to make it to the semifinals, to get that narrative, to get that monkey off its back that, because then you go into next year, Hey, Iowa still hasn't made it to Saturday. And it just kind of keeps feeding and snowballing when you haven't done something in a long time. So you've got the sat I think the two um, prevailing narratives for Iowa men's basketball, one, because it's played first, the big 10 tournament have not made it to Saturday since uh, 2006, as we talked about. And then when you get to the NCAA tournament, it has not made it to the sweet 16 since Tom Davis was the coach, you know, over 20 years. So those are the two narratives. Those are the two hurdles that Iowa men's basketball is trying to clear right now to put away the narratives that this, program doesn't do it when it counts most in March and fair or not. I think Iowa has been upper division in the big Ten uh, seven of the last eight years, which I think is accomplishment. When you look historically at this program, the regular season for better or worse is not viewed at viewed as important as what a team does in March. And that's really how this program and this team is going to be judged. I think it will it will leave a sour taste, regardless of preseason expectations. Where, if you would have told people, you know, whatever they are now twenty one and eleven, or twenty and eleven, and eleven and nine in the league, if you would have told people that before the season, hey, this is what it's going to be, a lot of people would have said, hey, sign me up. But now that we've seen the team, the bar gets raised, the expectations get raised. And people want to see progress, and to them, and I think I don't say it's unfair. Progress is advancing farther in each of these posts. Excuse me, postseason tournaments, and uh, we'll see if Iowa gets it done. I think this Iowa team is mentally stronger than a lot that I've covered in my 20 plus years. Whatever this is, 22 or 23 years of covering Iowa men's basketball. Very mentally tough team. Reminds me a lot of that 2016 team, and. Yeah, I know you're saying, well, look what happened against Northwestern State in the NCAA tournament. Crap happens, you know, and that, that was just one of those games, and it happens. But that team was very strong throughout that season, showed a lot of guts in the Big Ten tournament. If this team can do that, and I think it's capable of doing that, I think the talent is here to make that run to the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament and to the Sweet 16. And we'll see if, again, if... I'm able to cover that because of the coronavirus. Uh, Tyler Anderson at Ty Anderson 21, a frequent um, uh, inquirer on the HN mailbag. And I appreciate your participation, Tyler. Um, yes, Joe W. and CJ Frederick. So, Joe Wieskamp and CJ Frederick need to step up for Iowa to be successful in the postseason. Which other player besides the big three, Garza included, Luca Garza included, has to step up? Um, It's a good question because I think you can have the group of other guys, you know, from Ryan Creener to Connor McCaffrey to Joe Toussaint to Bakari Evelyn to Cordell Pemsel. All of those guys could step up on a given night. I'm not sure you need just one guy to be that guy. If as long as you have one or two of those other guys contributing and chipping in each night, I think that's really what you're looking for. Cause there's going to be matchups on a given night for any of those guys that helps, maybe give them an edge or an advantage to helping the team. Uh, But I do think you need Wieskamp and Frederick to be a little bit more uh, productive than they've been here down the, you know, the last four games, Uh, three for CJ, because he he was only played the last three games after coming back from injury. Um, But I'm going to answer your question. And if I have to put it on one guy, I'm going to put it on Ryan Craner and we saw a Sunday at Illinois when he picked up two fouls and didn't get it really, you know, came came out of the early, didn't really get in a flow. I think he takes some pressure off Garza and he had a stretch there where he was scoring in double figures and I was really successful. He helps on the backboards. He can help Garza on the defensive end by, you know, maybe playing the opposition's uh, top interior player on defense sometimes and, and giving Luca a little bit of a breather in that regard. Um, So I'm going to go with Ryan Creener, Tyler. But I also think, as I said, you know, Connor McCaffrey, Joe Toussaint, all those guys need to play at least play well. And then on certain nights, whenever they have the advantage to step up, they need to step up for this team to make a run. And we see that every March teams that make runs or teams that do well, have those guys that are able to do that. Those role players. Uh, Next is Nick Bennett at NBennett04 on Twitter. Who's the most underappreciated Iowa b-ball player of the past decade? I vote Anthony Clemens. Guy could play on both ends and gave Iowa an edge. And Nick, I don't know if you've heard or other folks that are listening, we had Anthony Clemens on our Big Hour podcast on KGYM. You could find that on Hawkeye Nation and in the Hawkeye Nation podcast feed. Uh, join us from France on Friday. The connection was a little choppy, uh, but you get the you get the gist of the interview, and and he gave us some great answers on his time at Iowa and what he thinks of this team uh, and Joe Tucson and uh, kind of what it was like playing for coach McCaffrey. So some, there's a little plug for a previous podcast. I think Clemens is in there. <sighs> this is going to sound weird, but I think Adam Woodbury is the guy for me. Um, and the dynamic of that is he was a four-star recruit offer from North Carolina. You, we know the, we know the history, we know kind of what the story is there, but I still have people that rip this kid and I think from a basketball perspective, it's kind of like Connor McCaffrey. You really have to appreciate the game and enjoy the nuances of the game to appreciate what Adam Woodbury did when he was here. I think the perception and the expectation was that he was going to score a ton of points, grab a ton of rebounds, be that guy that North Carolina offered and be, you know, a dominant player. But he was really good at, at his role great at helping, great at screening out top um, great at help and recover the best iowa big man in the in the um Fran McAfee era at help and recover defense uh, you know wasn't the the most athletic guy in the world but understood the game understood angles great outlet passer um and really, those were Fran's best defensive teams, and I think it all started with Adam. And he directed that defense from the back, helping teammates, you know, at times even moving them into positions on where they needed to be because he was so good at studying a scouting report and understanding what the opponent wanted. Um, and I know that's kind of a weird answer because he's he's not as under the radar as, as Sap was. Uh, but Adam Woodbury would be my answer just from an underappreciated standpoint. Uh let's see here. Let's see if we've got anything else. We've got uh Mike Condon, old friend Mike Condon. Hope you're doing well. Mike at Mike Condon on Twitter. A lot of people are talking about a rematch with Illinois, but is, but is not enough attention being paid to Minnesota, assuming a win over Northwestern? Gophers have some talent, have lost a number of tight games, including one to Iowa where the Hawks rallied late. It's a fair point, Mike. And I don't, I think from a fan's perspective, everybody's kind of looking towards round three of Iowa Illinois. I know I am, and I hope that happens. But in the back of my mind, I'm also aware that Minnesota is a dangerous team, and I can guarantee you that the Iowa players and coaches are even more conscious of the ability of Minnesota to knock them off in that first game should it get past Northwestern. Northwestern's playing better basketball now, but Minnesota is the more talented team. Marcus Carr is a really good guard that if he was on a better team in the Big Ten, he would get a lot more attention. Same for Daniel Oturu, who was a second team all Big Ten player as the second leading scorer in the conference and the leading rebounder in the conference. He could only make second team because of Minnesota's struggles. Um, But very dangerous team. Uh, the, The three point shooter, I'm forgetting his name. Kalsher, he is also, he burned Iowa last year. He's another guy. They've got talent, they've got some depth. And you always wonder. That team that plays on Wednesday, it would, be, you, it would be almost impossible to win five games in five days. I'm not saying it is impossible. It can happen. Um, I think did UConn do that in the Big East, they may have done that. I thought I remember one team doing that. My memory sucks these days. But I don't think you look at Minnesota and say, oh, Minnesota can't win this tournament. Minnesota plays that Wednesday. It gets its feet under it. It gets used to the arena, the environment. If it wins and beats Northwestern, I think those teams have a bit of advantage on Thursday's games because they've already got a little bit of that experience under their belt. It's harder for the team that's playing its first game to be sharp initially. Yes, it's better rested, but it's only playing a team that played one game. It's not playing a team that played two games. Like if Minnesota were to advance to Friday against Illinois, it will, it will have played two games. And I think that gives Illinois a, you know, a marked advantage in that game. But on the Thursday game, I think Minnesota is a very dangerous team. And I would, I would throw Northwestern in there as well. I think Northwestern could be dangerous. So I was going to have to be conscious of that and come out and try to play really well early in that game on Thursday to make sure it doesn't dig itself a hole against the team that already has its, you know, its sea legs, its feet under it a little bit. So Good question, Mike. Thanks for uh, chiming in and getting in a question for me. Uh, I'm going to switch to the message boards now. Uh, We'll go to football first to see if there's anything there. Uh, Let's see. Not a lot of football talk until spring football starts. Okay. We've got our buddy Motobasan. Which 2020 recruits will be participating in spring practice? Uh, these are the early enrollees, uh, and there are three of them. Uh, running back Gavin Williams from West Des Moines-Dowling Catholic, tight end Elijah Yelverton from Trinity Christian in Cedar Hill, Texas, and offensive lineman Mason Richmond from Blue Valley High School in Stillwell, Kansas. Those are your three early enrollees who will be going through spring ball uh, as true freshmen and early enrollees. They just enrolled in January think you I think Mason Richmond will redshirt. He's an offensive lineman uh, who was recruited by a lot of schools as a defensive lineman. I think it's going to take him a little time to develop, and Iowa has depth on the offensive line, where hopefully it doesn't need him, and he gets a chance to develop and get spend some time with Doyle, and you hope by the end of his true freshman year which is a year and a half he'll be he'll have gone through two spring practices. Maybe he can compete, can compete in the fall of 2021 for a spot, but I think it's asking a lot for him to compete in 2020. Uh, I need a sip of some liquid because my throat is drying out. Excuse me. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ah, thank you. It was coffee, by the way, if you were wondering. For Gavin Williams and Elijah Yelverton, these are guys I think that could play as true freshmen. Particularly Yelverton, highly regarded tight end prospect, offers from you know top schools from all of, all over the country, including national champion LSU. Um, so I think he has a good chance to push his way into the tight end mix. And then Gavin Williams, with Torin Young leaving, um, I think he could probably also. He's not a huge back, but he runs. Strong. He runs hard. I think he would be a decent complement for a Tyler Goodson. Um, I still think Mikai Sargent is probably the second guy. And then Ivory Kelly Martin is still in the mix. And then you have Shadrick Bird, who's back over from last year. So it may be hard for Gavin Williams to put to push through and get himself playing time as a true freshman. But that he's here this spring, it gives him a shot. And if he can show enough here in the spring and then in summer, he may have a chance to push his way into that rotation. And it remains to be seen we could have more attrition at that position as well. Thank you for the question, Moda Um And then SSC Kelly. Uh, also a frequent poster on the HN message boards. Um, he's got a complaint. You've been covering the Iowa baseball team at all? Question mark. Some baseball talk would be nice. Kelly, I honestly sympathize and understand the frustration with us not being able to get out and cover baseball yet. Um, they've had two home games, I believe, and today will be the third home game. For instance, yesterday, 2 o'clock, I had a Fran McCaffrey Iowa player press conference leading into the Big Ten tournament, went to cover that, came home, posted the content, wrote, wrote a story, could not get to the baseball game. Today, as I mentioned at the top of this podcast, I'll be leaving for Indianapolis around the time that the baseball team starts. We'll not be able to get out for that. Last week, I, my, my, again, my memory's not great, but there was a conflict where I couldn't get out. Um it's just hard at this time of year for me to cover baseball when you have men's basketball, women's basketball and wrestling going on and then spring football starting in a couple of weeks. You don't like to have a hierarchy of sports that you cover, but in this landscape, on this landscape of uh, journalism and what we can and can't cover and the resources we have at Hawkeye nation, which is me being the only person in Iowa city. And then we have some part-time writers Um, And I appreciate all their contributions from Andrew Downs on the podcast to Rick Brown and his features to Dave Schwartz and his column. I am really the only everyday guy at this website. And to be able to add baseball into the mix at this time of year is just too difficult. I try to post what I can on our baseball message board um, on the, uh, on hawkeye Nation.com, on our message board, our baseball, we have a message board dedicated to baseball. Now we started that last year, try to put up the notes, try to put up the games as best I can in terms of fitting it into my schedule. Uh, but I'm, pr- I'll be, Completely honest with you, I'm probably not going to get to baseball coverage until after the NCAA tournament. It's just, it's just too hard to do. And that when I say coverage is me actually going out to Banks Field and covering a game and shooting photos, but I will in April and May have coverage of Iowa baseball. Please be patient and. Hopefully you can be understanding about the resources we have at Hawkeye nation and the ability to go out and cover. I don't believe the Gazette or the, or the register slash press citizen was out at the Iowa, Kansas baseball game yesterday. I could be wrong on that. You've also got state basketball going on for a lot of people. It's just really hard right now to get out to baseball. So I, sincerely apologize for that. I love baseball. Rick Heller is a great coach. I enjoy covering him and I will get out there as soon as it's logistically possible. Please hang in there. And thank you for the question and comment. All right, let's go to the basketball board and we'll wrap this thing up. I have to go get my rent a car here shortly. Uh, all right, let's see here. It's like we got a little more activity on basketball, which you would expect. Um, Spider Rico, another frequent poster on the message board and contributor to this HN Mailbag podcast, and I appreciate his contributions. Call your shot. What's our seed, what region, and who are we playing? Um, this, I assume, is the NCAA tournament, being as we're talking about a region, Spider. Um, I am going to say... I don't know the regions in terms of where the first couple rounds are, but I'm going to say Iowa is in St. Louis against um, man. I should have looked at this a little bit closer. I'm going to, I don't know who the opponent will be. I think Iowa is going to be a six seed in St. Louis. How's that? I will, uh, I will, (laughs) I will try to come up with an opponent here as we, as we, um, I saw Utah State, one of the bracketologists that pick, picked Utah State. It's gonna be a team like that. Uh that's towards the 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 you know, maybe a mid major conference that's had a pretty good season. Uh I think Iowa, you know, I s you know, that six eleven game, I think Iowa will get a decent team. Um maybe East Tennessee State and Steve Forbes. How about that? How about I don't know if they'd get a that high of a seed, an eleven seed, but um Let's go with that for now because I don't know with the conference tournaments com- this com- going on this week, it's hard to say maybe there will be another high major that Iowa gets as an 11 seed. I kind of think that that may be the case as well, talking about maybe a team who, who knows, out of the ACC or the Big 12, that's a little bit farther down the pecking order. Um, and then call your shot part two. Do we play on Saturday in the Big Ten tournament? I'm going yes. I am going with the yes. I think Iowa beats the Minnesota Northwestern winner. I think Iowa gets revenge against Illinois, and then hopefully on Saturday it's a matchup with Wisconsin. That's my hope because I think those are all go, go, excuse me are all good storylines. I'm greedy and self centered journalist who wants the best angles for his stories, and I think those are the best angles for the stories. Minnesota. Uh, rival uh, Illinois, we all know the story of what's going on with that rivalry being rekindled this season, and then Wisconsin and the uh, you know the the ball puncher for Wisconsin, Davison, uh, getting another shot at him. Maybe somebody can kick him in the nuts. Time for another drink of coffee. Ah, thank you for that. Let me go see now. I don't want to give up on that question that you asked about. Um, who Iowa might play in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm looking, you can hear me typing. I'm trying to figure out like a high major team. They won't play the big 10 in the first round. They're going to do everything to split those teams up. So let me go to uh, the Atlantic coast conference. How about, Well, they won't play Syracuse. Duke will get a higher seed than that. So let's take them out. How about the Big 12? Any possibilities there? Here you go. They will play Texas or Oklahoma in St. Louis in the first round. Is that right? Will those teams be 11 seeds? Um, I'm going with that. I'm not a bracketologist. So if you're laughing at me right now, I probably deserve it. Uh, TK Sirius, the love doctor, constant contributor. I'll call him a constant contributor to the HN message board. Much appreciated. Um, and he usually has a question that's a little offbeat for the mailbag. And this one would fall under that category. Do you travel with your own pillow or do you just take your chances with the hotel pillow? I do not travel with my own pillow. I hate sleeping in hotels. um, this one made me think a little bit, though, with the virus going on, whether or not I wanted to sleep on a hotel pillow that uh, could have the virus on it. I'm rolling the dice, man. I am going to use the pillow that's in the hotel. and I'm not bringing my own pillow. But it's only 1230 um, or it's 1030 right now in the morning on March 11th, Wednesday. I could change my mind. I could bring my own, my own pillow. I'm going to think about this a little bit more. You've opened up my mind now to the possibilities. Uh, Northside Hawkeye does not have a question. Um, he is just, uh, making us aware that his wife, uh, has left her pillow at the hotel four times. And I would be disappointed if I left my pillow at the hotel. So that's another consideration. Uh, Motobasan is on the basketball question. Rob, do you have any pregame rituals or superstitions? <laughs> any lucky clothing that you might wear? And are you aware of any of the players, pregame rituals, superstitions, lucky shoes, etc.? Good question. I am not aware of any players, the rituals or superstitions, lucky shoes. Um, I'm going to try to find that out though. I'm going to try if, especially if um, we uh, get a little extra time down in Indianapolis or, or when we do something, uh, at the NCAA tournament. I'll, I'll ask a few guys if they have any superstitions. I am not overly superstitious. I really don't have any pregame rituals or any lucky clothing. I wear, I try to wear my Hawkeye nation gear when I'm on the road. Uh, so people can identify me and, and know where I'm coming from and little branding and advertisement for the site. But, uh, no, I don't have any pregame rituals. I, If I remember correctly, Bankers Life has a pretty good um a pretty good buffet there for the media that we get. Again, with the virus, who knows? They may give us uh you know, crackers, wrapped up crackers or something. Um I do um like to maybe hit a local establishment for a few cocktails while I'm there. Uh I don't know if that's a ritual or superstition, more of a habit than anything else. So sorry I didn't have anything more exciting to that question. It was a good question. Um, in good company, also a, uh, frequent poster on the message board and somebody who I appreciate being on the site. I appreciate everybody, but I also appreciate the, appreciate the folks that take the time to, to ask these questions. In our current environment, Rob's a rock star if he's chancing the hotel, the hotel's option. Haha, ha, great question though. So he's responding and he's, it appears that he's siding with me or recommending that I bring a pillow with me. So now I'm starting to lean in that direction, but I'm going to keep you guys in suspense and let you know down the road, whether or not I brought a pillow with me or if I chanced it uh, with the hotel pillow. And I'm traveling with Pat Hardy from all Hawkeyes too, who's a bit of a germaphobe. So that could make this trip both a little bit more interesting and entertaining. Uh, Motobasan, guys, don't forget to put your HM Milbag tag on the questions for Rob. Uh, I appreciate that, appreciate that, Motobasan. I don't need him as much on the message board. I pretty much just go through this thing. Um, I do, on, on Twitter though, I really appreciate that, and I've gotten to the point now where, where whatever three, four weeks into this thing where I only look for the HN mailbag tag on Twitter. So if there are Twitter folks out there asking me questions that I'm not getting to, that's probably the reason why Uh, it just makes it easier to organize these things. Any good company is back now with a question after recommending that I bring my own pillow with me to Indianapolis, staying at the Comfort Inn, I believe, too, uh, in Avon. If anybody wants to crank call us early in the morning to get us out of bed, Um, Because Iowa doesn't play, I don't believe, until about 2.30 local time tomorrow in the Indiana area, uh, 1.30 Iowa time. So early game tomorrow. So if you're not feeling well, uh, you got the virus now to say, hey, man, I'm just not feeling well to come to work today. I may have the virus. You can stay home tomorrow and watch the game on TV. Uh, Which type of team do you think Iowa potentially matches up with? or best in the big dance, a team that is guard-oriented or a team that is a more post-oriented? I think the easy, quick answer would be to say is post because of Luca. but the way we have rebounded as of late with the ability to play both RK, Ryan Kreener, and Luca facing a guard-oriented team might play well into our hands. What type of team should we, quote, unquote, want to face? I would prefer – a team that see Luca's getting his points now, and I think this is what you're driving at in Good Company. He's getting his anyway. So if it's another team with a with a good Bose player, um, point wise, I think Luca will be fine. And I talked about Creener being the most important extra guy beyond the big three to play well for Iowa to have success. And I think you're on to something there. If, they need both of those guys crashing the defensive boards to keep other teams from getting extra possessions. It stunts the running game a little bit because you're dealing with two big guys trying to get up and down the floor and transition, but those guys run well enough that I would be okay with that. So I think that Iowa is pretty good guard-wise defensively. Um, With Tucson out there, Evelyn's a pretty good defender. So I'm not as concerned as I've been in years past with penetrating guards, quick guards in the backcourt. I really would like to have Frederick and Wieskamp have the best matchups possible. Guys that aren't, you know, like Marcel for Maryland or... Uh, Henry for Michigan State, or guys that match up well with Frederick and Wieskamp, I'd rather have guys – because if a team's going to play a zone against Iowa to take Luca away, that's playing right into Iowa's hands. That will clear Frederick and Wieskamp up for threes all day long, and that would be the best-case scenario. But a team is going to man up, I would rather not have physical, athletic guys on the wings that can slow down Frederick and Wieskamp, because I think those guys can get theirs – as long as they have at least 50-50 matchups. If you have guys that are really long and athletic, it gives both of those guys trouble. So I would lean towards that type of a matchup. All right, folks, that is all the questions we have for today. Let me just check Twitter one more time to make sure nothing came in. Uh... Eugene Penny, what is your gut feeling? And that's at Eugene Penny One on Twitter. What are your gut feeling on how Iowa wrestling will, the NCAA wrestling meet will go off? Um, are you talking in turn? I'm not sure if you mean in terms of the coronavirus and how they're going to be able to, you know, what the logistics are for that. Or I think Iowa wins the tournament if that's what you're asking. I think they showed at the Big Tens, the toughest conference in the country how dominant they can be, can't have guys that wrestle way below their seeds. But I was encouraged by the the consolation, the wrestlebacks at the Big Ten tournament, guys that came back, got back on the horse, and, and proceeded and caught bonus points. So I think was the prohibitive favorite in this thing, and I would be pretty disappointed if they don't win it. Mark Duff at dial 54 on Twitter. Where does Luca Garza rank all time in record books in Iowa records? Can you get Hawkeye coach Billy Taylor for a podcast? Uh, Can try on Billy Taylor. I probably would do that on the big hour podcast uh, on KGYM. And where does Luca rank all time in the record books? We've written a lot about this, Mark. Um, Most points in an individual season. Most games consecutive with 20-plus points. Uh, highest scoring average since, I believe, 71 with John Johnson and that group of uh, Miller's six-pack that averaged over 100 points a game. So, yeah, he's establishing a bunch of records uh, at Iowa that we and, and, and put up numbers even that aren't records that we haven't seen, you know, in, in upwards of 50 years. So. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap that up so I can get the rest of my stuff together here before getting on the road to Indianapolis. I thank you one and all for your questions, and we will try again next week. I may have to do it earlier in the week, depending on NCAA travel, uh, but we will come back at some point next week with the HN Mailbag Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you soon.